0: Chapter One of In the High Valley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. In the High Valley by Susan Coolidge. Chapter One. Along the North Devon Coast. It was a morning of late May, and the sun shone rather watery after the fashion of south-of-england suns, was real sunshine still, and glinted and glittered bravely on the dew-soaked fields about cobblestone Grange. This was an ancient house of red brick, dating back to the last half of the sixteenth century, and still bearing testimony in its sturdy bulk to the honest and durable work put upon it by its builders. Not a choice had bent, not a girder started in the long course of its two hundred and odd years of life. The brickwork of its twisted chimney-stacks was intact, and the stone carving over its doorways and window-frames only the immense growth of the ivy on its side walls attested to its age it takes longer to build ivy five feet thick than many castles and though new masonry by trick and artifice may be made to look old there is no secret known to man by which a plant or tree can be induced to stimulate an antiquity which does not rightfully belong to it innumerable sparrows and tom did separate on the thick mats of the old ivy and their cries and twitters blended in shrill and happy chorus as they flew in and out of their nests. The Grange had been a place of importance in Queen Elizabeth's time as the home of an old Devon family which was finally run out and extinguished. It was now little more than a superior sort of farmhouse. The broad acres of meadow and pleasure and woodland, which had given its consequence in former days, had been gradually parted with, as misfortunes and losses came to its original owners. The woods had been felled; the pleasure grounds now made part of other people's farms, and the once wide domain had contracted until the ancient house stood only a few acres about it and was something the air of an old-time belle who has been forcibly divested of her ample fartingale and hoop petticoat and made to wear the scant kirtle of a village maid. Orchards of pear and apple flanked the building to east and west. Behind was a field or two crowning a little upland where the date cows fed demurely and in front toward the south, which was the side of entrance, lay a narrow walled garden, with box bordered beds full of early flowers, mimulus sweet peas, mignonette, stock, jellies, and plush and damask roses, carefully tended and making a blaze of color on the face of the bright morning. The whole front of the house was draped with a luxuriant wine of Clos de Duchon, whose long pink-yellow buds and cream-flushed cups sent wafts of delicate sweetness with every puff of wind. Seventy years before the May morning, of which we write, cobblestone Grange had fallen at the public sale to Edward Young, a well-to-do banker of Bidford. He was a descendant in direct line to that valiant young, who, together with his fellow seamen prose, undertook the dangerous task of steering down and igniting the seven fire-ships, which sent the Spanish Armada lumbering off to sea, and saved England for Queen Elizabeth and the Protestant succession. Edward Young lived twenty years in peace and honor to enjoy his purchase, and his oldest son james who now reigned in his stead having reared within the old walls a numerous brood of sons and daughters now scattered over the surface of the world in general after the sturdy british fashion till only three or four remained at home waiting to turn to fly one of these now stood at the gate it was imogen young oldest but one of the four daughters she was evidently waiting for some one and waiting rather impatiently we shall certainly be late she said aloud it's quite too bad of lion Then, glancing at the silver watch in her belt, she began to call, "'Lion! Lionel! Oh, Lion, do make haste! "'It's gone twenty past, and we shall never be there in time!' "'Coming!' shouted a voice from an upper window. "'I am just washing my hands. Coming in a Moggy." "'Chivy!' murmured Imogen. "'How very American Lion has got to be! "'He is always guessing and calculating and reckoning. "'It seems as if he did it on purpose to startle and annoy me.' I suppose one has to get used to it if you are over there, but really it's beastly bad form, and I shall keep on telling lions so. She was not a pretty girl, but neither was she an ill-looking one. Neither tall nor very slender, her vigorous little figure had still a certain charm of trim erectness and youthful grace. Though Imogen was twenty-four, and considered herself very stead and grown up. A fresh rosy skin, beautiful hair of a warm chestnut color with a natural wave in it, and clear honest blue eyes, and far to atone for a thick nose, a wide mouth and front teeth, which projected slightly, and seemed a size too large for the face to which they belonged. Her dress did nothing to assist her looks. It was wool, of an unbecoming shade of yellowish grey. It fitted badly, and the complicated loops and hitches of the skirt bespoke a fashion time since passed by among those who were particularised to such matters. The effect was not assisted by a pork pie hat of black straw, trimmed with green feathers, a pink ribbon, From which depended a silver locket a belt of deep magenta red yellow gloves and an umbrella bright navy blue in tint she had over her arm a purplish waterproof and her thick solid boots could defy the mud of her native shire lion lion she called again and this time a tall young fellow responded running rapidly down the path to join her he was two years her junior vigorous alert and boyish with a fresh skin and tawny waving hair like her own how long you've been she cried reproachfully. "Grieved to have kept you, miss, was the reply. You see, things went contrary like. The grease got all over me when I was cleaning the guns, and cold water wouldn't take it off, and that old Saunders took his time about bringing the can off hot, till at last I rushed down and fetched it up myself from the copper. You should have seen the cook's face. Fancy, Master Lionel, says she, coming yourself for the water. I tell you, Moggy, Saunders is past his usefulness. He's a regular duffer, a gump there's another american expression saunders is a most respectable man i am sure and has been in the family thirty-one years of course he has a good deal to do just now with the backing and all now lion we shall have to walk smartly if we are to get there at half after all right here goes for a spin then the brother and sister walked rapidly down the winding road in the half shadow of the bordering hedges real devonshire hedgerows they were than which are none the lovelier in england rising eight and ten feet overhead on either side and topped with delicate flickering birch and ash-bows blowing in the fresh wind below were thick rows of hawthorn, white and pink and wild white roses in full flower interspersed with maple tips as red as blood the whole interlaced and held together with thick wits and tangles of ivory bryony and traveller's joy beneath them the ground was strewn with flowers violets and kingcups, poppies red champions and blue iris while tall spikes of rose-coloured foxgloves rose from among the ranks of masked ferns brake hart's tongue and maiden's hair here and there a splendid growth of osmond royal to sight and smell the hedge were equally delightful Cobblestone grange stood three miles west of Bitford, and the house to which the youngs were going was close above clovelly so that the distance of some seven miles separated them to walk this twice for the sake of lunching with a friend would seem to most young americans to formidable a task to be at all worthwhile, but to our sturdy english pair it presented no difficulties on they went lightly and steadily imogen's elastic steps keeping easy pace with her brother's longer tread there was a good deal of up and down hill to get over with and whenever they topped the rise green downs ending in wooded cliffs could be seen to the left and beyond and below an expanse of white-flecked shimmering sea a salt wind from the channel blew in their faces full of coolness and refreshment and there was no dust "'I suppose we shall never see the ocean from where we are to live,' said Imogen with a sigh. "'Well, hardly, considering it's about fifteen hundred miles away.' fifteen hundred? Oh, lion, you are surely exaggerating. "'Why, the whole of England is not so large as that, from Land's End to John O'Grode's house.' "'I should say not. Nothing like it. "'Well, Moggy, you have no idea how small our right little, tight little island really is. "'We could set it down plump in some of the states, New York, for instance.' and there would be quite a tidy fringe of territory left around it. Of course, morally, we are the standard of size for all the world, but geographically, few. Our size is little, though our hearts are great. I think it's vulgar to be so big. Not that I believe half you say, Lion. You have been over in America so long and grown such a Yankee that you swallow everything they choose to tell you. I have always heard about American brag. My dear, there is no need to brag when the facts are there, staring you in the face. It is a matter of feet and inches. Any one can do the measurement with a tape-line. Wait till you see it. And as for its being vulgar to be big, why is it the right little tight little always stretching out her arms to rope in new territory in that case? I should like to know. It would be much eleganter to keep herself to home. Oh, don't talk that sort of rot. I hate to hear you. I must, when you talk that kind of... Well, let's say rubbish. Rot is one of our choice terms which hasn't got over to the States yet. You are as opinionated and narrow as the little island itself. What do you know about America, anyway? Did you ever see an American in your life, child? Yes, several. I saw Buffalo Bill last year, and lots of Indians and cowboys whom we fetched over, and I saw Professor—professor—what was his name? I forget, but he lectured on phrenology, and then there was Mrs. Joff Templestowe. Oh, Mrs. Joff, she's a different sort. "'Buffalo Bill and his show can hardly be treated as specimens of American society, "'and neither can your bump men. "'But she's a fair sample of the nice kind, and you liked her. "'Now didn't you? You know you did.' "'Well, yes, I did,' admitted Imogen rather grudgingly. "'She was really quite nice and good form and all that, "'and Isabel said she was by far and away the best sister-in-law yet, "'and the squire took such a fancy to her that it was quite remarkable, "'but she cannot be used as an argument.' "'for she's not in the least like the American girls in the books. "'She must have had unusual advantages. "'And after all, nice as she was, she wasn't English. "'And there was a difference somehow. "'You felt it, though. "'You couldn't exactly say what it was. "'No, thank goodness, she isn't. "'That's just the beauty of it. "'Why should all the world be just alike? "'And what books do you mean? "'And what girls? "'There are all kinds on the other side. "'I can tell you. "'Wait till you get over to the high valley and you'll see.' this sort of discussion had become habitual of late between the brother and sister three years before lionel had gone out to colorado to look about and see how ranging suited him as he phrased it and had decided that it suited him exactly he had served a sort of apprenticeship to Geoffrey templestowe the son of an old devonshire neighbor who had settled in a place called high valley and together with two partners had built up a flourishing and lucrative cattle business owning a large tract of grazing territory and great herds one of the partners was now transferred to new mexico where the firm owned land also and mr young had advanced money to buy Lionel, who was now competent to begin for himself a share in the business he was now going out to remain permanently and imogen was going also to keep his house and make a home for him till he should be ready to marry and settle down all over the world there are good english sisters doing this sort of thing in australia and new zealand they can be found in canada and india and the Transvaal. Well wherever english boys are sent to advance their fortunes had her destination been canada or australia imogen would have found no difficulty in adjusting her ideas to it but the united states were terra incognita knowing absolutely nothing about them she had constructed out of a fertile fancy and very few facts an altogether imaginary america not at all like the real one peopled by strange folk, quite unEnglish english in their ideas and ways and very hard to understand and live with in vain did lionel protest and explain his remonstrances were treated as proofs of the degeneracy and blindness induced by life in the states and to all his appeals she opposed a calm obstinate disbelief which is the weapon of a limited intellect and experience and is harder to deal with than the most passionate convictions unknown to herself a little sting of underlying jealousy tinctured these opinions for many years isabel templestowe had been her favorite friend the person she most admired and looked up to they had been at school together isabel always taking the lead in everything imogen following and imitating the temple were better born than the youngs they took a higher place in the country it was a distinction as well as a tender pleasure to be intimate in the house once or twice isabel had gone to a married sister in london for a taste of the season no such chance had ever fallen to imogen's lot but it was next best to get letters and hear from isabel all that she had seen and done thus sharing the joys at second hand as it were isabel had other intimates some of whom were more to her than imogen could be but they lived at a distance and imogen close at hand propinquity plays a large part in friendship as well as love imogen had no other intimate but she knew too little of isabel's other interests to be made uncomfortable about them and was quite happy in her position as nearest and closest confidant until four years before geoffrey templestowe came home for a visit bringing with him his american wife whose name before her marriage had been clover car and whom some of you who read this will recognize as an old friend young sweet pretty and very happy and horribly well dressed as poor imogen in her secret soul admitted clover easily and quickly won the liking of her people-in-law all the outlying sons and daughters who were within reach came home to make her acquaintance and all were charmed with her the squire petted and made much of his new daughter and could not say enough in her praise mrs a averred that she was as good as she was pretty and as sensible as if she had been born and brought up in England and worst of all isabel for the time of their stay was perfectly absorbed in geoffrey and clover and though kind and affectionate when they met had little or no time to spend on imogen she and clover were of nearly the same age each had a thousand interesting things to tell the other both were devoted to geoffrey it was natural and inevitable that they should draw together imogen confessed to herself that it was only right that they should do so but it hurt all the same and it still was a sore spot in her heart that isabel should love clover so much and they should write such long letters to each other she was a conscientious girl and she fought against the feeling and tried hard to forget it but it was there all the same but while i have been explaining the rapid feet of the two walkers had taken them past hoops Inn to the opening of a rough shady lane, which made a short cut to the grounds to Stowe Manor, as the Templestows Place was called. They entered by a private gate, opened by Imogen with a key which she carried and found themselves on the slope of a hill overhung with magnificent old beaches. Farther down the slope became steeper and narrowed to form a sharp chine, which cut the cliff seaward to the water's edge. The manor house stood on a natural plateau at the head of the ravine whose deep green sides made a frame for the beautiful picture it commanded of landy island rising in bold outlines over seventy miles of blue tossing sea the brother and sister paused for a moment to look for the hundredth time at this exquisite glimpse then they ran lightly down over the grass to where the intersecting gravel path led to the door it stood hospitably open affording a view of the entrance hall such a beautiful old hall built in the time of the tudors with a great carven fireplace mullioned windows in deep square bays and a ceiling carved with fan shields and roses. Pobot stood on the cells, full of rose-leaves and spices, Huge antlers and trophies of weapons adorned the walls, and the polished floor, almost black with age, shone like a looking-glass. Beyond opened a drawing-room, low ceiling and equally quaint old. The furniture seemed as old as the house. There was nothing with the modern air about it, except some Indian curiosities, a water-color or two, the photographs of the family, and fresh flowers in the vases but the sun shone in there was a great sense of peace and stillness and beside a little wooden fire which burned gently and did not hiss or crackle as it might have done elsewhere sat a lovely old lady whose fresh and peaceful and kindly face seemed the centre from which all the home look and comfort streamed she was knitting a long silk stocking a volume of muddies lay on her knee and a sky-terrier blue fussy and sleepy had curled himself luxuriously in the folds of her dress this was mrs templestowe joff's mother and clover's mother-in-law she jumped up almost as lightly as a girl to welcome the visitors take your hat off my dear she said to imogen or would you rather run up to isabel's room she was here just now but her father called her off to consult about something in the hothouse. he won't keep her long ah there she's now as a figure flashed by the window i knew she would be here directly another second and isabel hurried in a tall slender girl thick fair hair blue eyes with dark lashes and a look of breeding and distinction her dress very simple in cut suited her and had that undefinable air of being just right which a good london tailor knows how to give she wore no ornaments but imogen who had felt rather well dressed when she left home suddenly hated her gown and hat realized that her belt and ribbon did not agree and wished for the dozens time that she had the knack of getting the right thing which isabel possessed her clothes grow prettier all the time and mine get uglier she reflected the squire says she got points from mrs joff and that the americans know how to dress if they don't know anything else but that's nonsense of course isabel always did know how she didn't need any one to teach her pretty soon they were all seated at luncheon a hearty and substantial meal as befitted the needs of people who had just taken a seven-mile walk a great round of cold beef stood at one end of the table a chicken pie on the other and there were early peas and potatoes a huge cherry tart a junket equally large strawberries and various cakes and pastries meant to be eaten with a smooth of the delicacy peculiar to devonshire clotted cream everybody was very hungry and not much was said till the first rage of appetite was satisfied ah said the squire as he filled his glass with amber-hued cider you don't get anything so good as this to drink over in america lionel Indeed we do, sir. Wait till you taste our lemonade, made of natural soda-water. Lemonade? Phew, poor stuff, I call it, cold and thin. I hope Joff has some better tipple than that, to cheer him in the high valley. Iced water, suggested Lionel mischievously. Don't talk to me about iced water. It's worse than lemonade. It's the perpetual use of ice, which makes the Americans so nervous. I'm convinced. But, Papa, are they so nervous? Clover certainly isn't. ah my little clover no she wasn't nervous she was nothing that she ought not be i call her as sweet a lass as any country need want to see but clover's no example there aren't many like her i fancy a lion well squire she's not the only one of the sort there her sister who married mr page our other partner you know is quite as pretty as she is and quite as nice too though in a different way and then there's the oldest one "'the wife of the naval officer, "'I am not sure, "'but you would like her "'the best of the three. "'She's a ripper in looks, "'tall, you know, "'with lots of go and energy, "'and yet as sweet and womanly as can be. "'You'd like her very much. "'You'd like all of them.' "'How is the married one? "'Joan, I think they call her?' "'asked Mrs. Templestowe. "'Oh,' said Lionel, "'rather confused, "'I don't know so much about her. "'She's only once been out "'to the valley since I was there. "'She seems a nice girl, "'and certainly she's mighty pretty.' "'Lion's blushing!' remarked imogen who always does blush when he speaks of that miss carr rot muttered lionel with a restful look at his sister i do nothing of that kind but squire when are you coming over to see for yourself how we look and behave i think you and the madam would enjoy a summer in the high valley very much and it would be no end of larks to have you isabel would like it of all things oh i know i should i would start to-morrow if i could I am coming across to make clover and imogen a long visit the first moment papa and mamma can spare me that will be a long time to wait i fear said her mother sadly since mr matthewson married and carried off poor helen's children the house has seemed so silent that except for you it would hardly be worth while to get up in the morning we can't spare you at present dear child i know mamma and i shall never go till you can the perfect thing would be that we should all go together yes if it were not for that dreadful voyage Oh, the voyage is nothing, broke in the irrepressible Lionel. You just take some pills, I forgot the name of them, but they make you safe and not be sick, and then you are across before you know it. The ships are very comfortable, electric bells, Welsh rabbits at bedtime, and all that you know. Fancy mamma, with a Welsh rabbit at bedtime, mamma who cannot even row down the gallantry on the smoothest day without being upset. You must bait your hook with something else, Lionel, if you hope to catch her. How would a tree fall of clover leaves answer? with a smile. She at the boy. Ah, the dear baby! I wish I could see the little fellow. He's so pretty in his picture, said Mrs. Templestowe. That bait would lend me if anything could lie in. By the way, there are some little parcels for them, which I thought perhaps you would make room for, Imogen. Yes, indeed. I'll carry anything with pleasure. Now I'm afraid we must be going. Mother wants me to step down to Cloverley with a message for the landlady of the new inn and I've set my heart upon walking once more to Gallantry and Treboa. Can't you come with us, Isabel? It would be so nice if you could, and it's my last chance. Of course I will. I'll be ready in five minutes, if you can't stay any longer. The three friends were soon on their way, under a low-hung sky which looked near and threatening. The beautiful morning was flat. We had better cut down into the hobby grounds and get under the trees, for I think it's going to be wet, said Imogen the suggestion proved a wise one for before they emerged from their shelter of the woods it was raining smartly and the girls were glad of their waterproofs and umbrellas lionel with hands in pockets strode on disdaining what he was pleased to call a little local shower you should see how it pours in colorado he remarked "That is this calling rain immense noah would feel perfectly at home in it the tax of three pence each person by which strangers were ingeniously made to contribute to the local charities was not exacted of them at the new road gate on the strength of their being residents and personal friends of the owners of clovelly court a few steps farther brought them to the top of a zigzag path sloping sharply downward at an angle of sixty-five degrees paved with broad stones and flanked on either sides by houses no two of which occupied the same level and which seemed to realize their precarious footing and hug the rift in which they were planted as limpets hug a rock this was the so-called clovelly street and surely a more extraordinary thing in the way of a street does not exist in the known world the little village is built on the sides of a crack in a tremendous cliff the street is merely the bottom of the crack into which the ingenuity of man has fitted a few stones set slantwise with intersecting ridges on which the foot can catch as it goes slipping hopelessly down even to practiced walkers the descent is difficult especially when the stones are wet the party from stowe were familiar with the past and had trodden it many times but even they picked their steps and went delicately like king agag holding up umbrellas in one hand and with the other catching at garden palings and the edges of doorsteps to save themselves from pitching headlong while beside them little boys and girls with the agility of long practice went down merrily almost at the run the heavy flat-bottomed shoes making a clap-clapping noise as they descended like the strokes of a mallet on wood. Looking up and above the quaint tenements that bordered the street, other houses equally quaint could be seen on either side, rising above each other to the top of the cliff, in whose midst the crack which held the village is set. How it had ever entered into the mind of man to utilize such a place for such a purpose, it was hard to conceive. The eccentricity of level was endless. Gardens topped roofs, gooseberry bushes and plum trees seemed growing out of chimneys tall trees rose apparently from ridge-poles and here and there against the sky appeared extraordinary wooden figures of colossal size mermaids and britannias and bell-savages figureheads of forgotten ships which old sea-captains out of commission had set up in their gardens to remind them of perils past the weather-beaten little houses looked centuries old and all had such an air of having been washed accidentally into their places by a great tidal wave that the vines and flowers which overhung them affected the newcomer with a sense of surprise down went the three slipping and sliding catching on and recovering themselves till they came to a small low broad building dating back for a couple of centuries or so which was the new inn old and new have a local meaning of their own in clovelly which does not exactly apply anywhere else up two steps they passed into a narrow entry with a parlour on one side and on the other a comfortable sort of housekeeper's room where a fire was blazing in a grate with white hops both rooms as well as the entry were hung with plates dishes platters, and bowls set thickly on the walls in groups of tens and scores and double scores as suited their shape and colour the same keramic decoration ran upstairs and pervaded the rooms above more or less a more modern brick building on the opposite side of the street which was the annex of the inn was equally full hundreds and hundreds of plates and saucers and cups english and delft were chiefly in blue and white in colour It had been the landlady's hobby for years past to form this collection of china, and it was now for sale to any one who might care to buy. Isabel and Lionel ran to and fro, examining the great wall of china as he termed it, while Imogen did her mother's errand to the landlady. Then they started again to mount the hill, which was an easier task than going down, passing on the way two or three parties of tourists, holding on to each other and shrieking and exclaiming, and being passed by a mini donkey with two sole leather trunks slung on one side of him and on the other a mountainous heap of handbags and valises. This is the only creature on four legs bigger than a dog that ever gets down the Cloverly street, and why he does not lose his balance, topple backward, and go rolling continuously down till he falls into the sea below, nobody can imagine. But the valiant little animal kept steadily on, assisted by his owner, who followed and assiduously whacked him with a stout stick, and he reached the top much sooner than any of his pipe had following. One cannot have too many legs in Cloverley, a centipede would find himself at an uncommon advantage. At the top of the street is the yellowy gate, through which our party passed into lovely park grounds, topping a line of fine cliffs, which led to gallantry boa. This is the name given to an enormous headland, which falls into the sea with a sheer descent of nearly four hundred feet, and forms the western boundary of the globally roadstead. The path was charmingly laid out, with belts of woodland and clumps of flowering shrubs. Here and there was a seat, or a rustic summer-house, commanding views of the sea now a deep intense blue for the rain had ceased as suddenly as it came and broad yellow rays were streaming over the wet grass and trees whose green was dazzling in its freshness imogen drew in a long breath of the salt wind and looked wistfully about her at the vivid turf the delicate shimmer of blowing leaves and the tossing ocean as if trying to photograph each detail in her memory i shall see nothing so beautiful over there she said dear old devonshire there's nothing like it "'Colorado is even better than the old Devonshire,' declared her brother. "'Wait till you see Pike's Peak. "'Wait till I drive you through the North Cheyenne Cannon.' "'But Imogen shook her head incredulously. "'Pike's Peak,' she answered with an air of scorn, "'the name is enough. "'I never want to see it.' "'Well, you girls are good walkers. "'It must be confessed,' said Lionel "'as they emerged on the crossing of the Bitford Road, "'where they must separate. "'Isabel looks as fresh as paint, "'and Moggy hasn't turned a hair. "'I don't think Mrs. Joff could stand such a walk.' or any of her family. Oh, no, indeed, Clover would feel half-killed if she were asked to undertake a sixteen-mile walk. I remember when she was here, we just went down to the pier at Cloverley for a row on the bay, and back through the hobby, six miles in all, perhaps, and she was quite done up, poor dear, and had to go on the sofa. I can't think why American girls are not better walkers, though there was that Miss Appleton, who met at Zermatt, who went up the Matherhorn and didn't make much of it. Good-bye, Imogen. I shall come over before you start and fetch Mamma's parcels. End of Chapter One. Recording by Ellie, September two thousand and nine.